Last season, Arsenal finished fifth in the Premier League, a whopping 24 points adrift of the champions Manchester City. They're going to this weekend second in the table, just four points behind Pep Guardiola's side. The improvement, undeniable, and yet there are those who'll tell you the Gunners bottled it, that they had that famous big trophy in their grasp and they simply dropped it on the floor. The question is... Did Arsenal blow it or did one of the greatest teams of the 21st century inevitably flatten them under their tyre tracks? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Only a win, realistically, for Arsenal on Saturday at Nottingham Forest keeps the title race alive at least a day longer. Mark O'Hare, part of our top-tipping team as always. Did Arsenal let this one slip? Or should we just praise their improvement and accept that City were always going to catch them in the end? Depends who you ask, Kev. Uh, I think Spurs fans <laughs> have a very different opinion on what Arsenal did this season than compared to probably most neutrals. Uh, I'm more in the camp of uh, they're just being beaten by uh, the better team, really. I think they've done incredibly well to, to be where they are for so long and to, to be just four points behind City at this stage of the season is a, an overwhelming success story when you consider where they were at the start of the season as, as 50 to 1 shots to win the league. Um, Obviously, it's disappointing how it's ended. Um, I think last weekend they were probably beaten before they even went out on the pitch after the Man City result against Everton because that match was was very competitive and the final score didn't give a fair reflection on the game for Everton at least. And I think that probably took the wind out of their sails a little bit. And I think those who were at the Emirates last week suggested that the mood before the match was actually quite glum, uh, surprisingly so, because I think everyone realised that you know City probably passed their last final big hurdle really away from home. So um, they saw the title slipping away. Obviously, it's quite unfortunate they've come on, come a, coming up against a, a juggernaut like City, but they led the league for, for 248 days and they will be the, that will be the longest time spent at the top of the table without actually winning the top flight title in history. That'll um, make so them I guess feel good they... about themselves. <laughs> exactly. I think that's probably where the, the bottling accusations come from and the questioning of character. But I think that would be unfair. You can pinpoint some of those matches, Anfield, the London Stadium, even Brighton last week as, as games. Southampton, another one. You know, there's numerous opportunities for, for Arsenal possibly to pick up more points. Things didn't go their, well, go their way. Uh, they're a young squad, a relatively small squad. And when they get key injuries to key players, they don't have that... Um, ability to bring in from the bench as say a Man City would you know it's almost like for like with Man City it's certainly not for Arsenal they've been very very good but very good isn't good enough to, to win a title against Man City unfortunately I think probably a better Liverpool team uh, ran City even closer and even they didn't even win the title for for two of those three years they challenged them so um, I think last week we saw all that was possibly going wrong with Arsenal right now, the Saliba injury, the, the backups aren't good enough. Ben White having to play right back all season. Tommy Ashley's been injured as well. You know, because of that, he's not been able to shift into centre-half. Sinchenko's missed a lot of football. Xhaka looked on his, his last legs, really. Caicedo and, and Gross ran rings around him. Partey hasn't been in form for a long time as well. And, and ultimately, the defending's just not been good enough. And the home performances have been quite sloppy too. So... That's the negatives. The positives are there's a lot to look forward to now in the future. There's Champions League football on the horizon again. I think they've reached this level far quicker than I anticipated. Probably even Mikala Teta imagined too. And you don't just expect them to drop off from here. They should only improve. And if you look at the names being linked with Arsenal this summer, 
it's quite exciting. You know, there's some really big name players who could be coming in to bolster that squad further. So, um, yeah, interested to see how they go this weekend after last week. Um, I certainly wouldn't be going anywhere near them at 1.62 quotes um, just because of the psychological damage that may have been imposed, not just by last week, but the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think they're short enough. But the play that does interest me at the city ground is actually goals, um, where you can get over two and a half goals and BTTS are close to, to 10 to 11. Um Forrest battled really hard for a point at Chelsea last week. The second time in four matches now they've fallen behind and managed to get something out of games. Um, that wasn't occurring earlier on in the season. Uh, they've now picked up uh, seven points from the last four games, finding form, finding goals as well. Big Taiwo. Big Taiwo. Big Taiwo, yeah. He's made a difference. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you wonder where, where they'd be if he was able to be fit and available for the whole season and actually starting in his, probably, his proper position. A few times Cooper's began him on the left-hand side, whereas you see how much of a handful... He can be leading the line, sort of holding up the play, bringing in those other exciting players, Johnson and Gibbs-White uh, from the flanks. You know, there's a lot to like about Forrest right now. They've scored twice or more in four of their last five. They are playing quite front foot football. And, and that trio, you know, there's there's direct running, there's trickery, there's tenacity, uh, there's physicality. Um, I think Forrest are a capable bunch. And we've said all season at City Ground, they, they're capable. They scored in 16 of 18 at home. Arsenal was scored in 17 of 18 away. So quite happy to back both teams to oblige. If you want that, it's 173 on the exchange, which I think is an absolutely fair enough price. But I think we can easily get the third goal here because Forrest haven't kept a clean sheet in 15. They've conceded twice or more in 12 of those uh, and Overs has landed in 10 of the last 13. As for Arsenal, who knows where they're at right now, but Overs has landed in 13 of 15. They've scored twice or more in 11 of 14. Just six clean sheets and 22 since the World Cup and they've conceded multiple goals in eight of their last 15 as well. So... Wouldn't be too surprised if either team notched at least twice here. Fully expect both teams to score. Uh, I think we'll get a decent game here. Trader and tipster extraordinaire. Brian McDonnell is on the team once again. Brian, what's your view on Arsenal's season and what do you think we can expect when they go to the city ground to take on Forest? Yeah, I think to answer your question in, in the intro, you know, did Arsenal bottle it or did they just come up against the juggernaut of the, of the machine, which is Man City is... Probably a, a bit of both, um, saying that as an Arsenal fan as well. Like, I mean, it was in their hands. You look at the games against West Ham and Southampton, even Southampton away from home where they drop points in their games that they probably should have won. And if they'd won just two of those games, they're still ahead going into the the last um, last couple of games of the season. Um, for this game, now I'd agree with, with everything Marcus said. Like, I wouldn't be putting Arsenal in to, to win any Akis because we just don't know where they are. Um, it was only before the Brighton game that everyone was saying, you know, that oh they're going to Arsenal are fight until the end now after they had that brilliant win up at Newcastle. Um, but yeah, I think once City won at Everton, the sort of the faint hopes had really faded. And as soon as Arsenal went behind against Brighton, they were defeated. The crowd was very flat, didn't offer much in terms of encouragement. Um, after going behind, which was streets away from when they went, you know, one 0 and two 0 down against Southampton a couple of weeks previously, the crowd really still got behind the team. Um, but last week, everyone was just so deflated. Even before kickoff around the Emirates, it was all just very, very flat. Um, I was quite annoyed at that. You know, I think the team does deserve a, a lot better than, than than what they got at the weekend. Yes, as we said, Arsenal were, were in a great position too in the league. Yes, they threw away a lot of points over the last couple of weeks, but looking at the overall picture, I still think it's been an, an incredible season to go from six games without champions or six seasons even without Champions League football, fifth last year, as you said, to, to push this Man City team for, for 33, 34 games now. And 
we saw what what Man City are are, are like uh, last night against Real Madrid. They're they're just a, a machine. Um, and for Arsenal going forward, I'd again, agree with Mark. There's serious foundation there to to build on such a young squad. I think there's going to be a bit of a clear out in the summer uh, with a, with a few players looking like they'll be heading on, and and rumours that there'll be cash there to spend as well to to reinforce in the summer. So. As much as rival fans will be sneering that you know at how the season ended for Arsenal, I, I still think there's a there's a lot to be envious at for uh, uh, for the supporters. I I think they should be more grateful the Arsenal supporters to the team and, and management for bringing them on, on such a, a great season than and you know what we saw against Brighton when this, the stadium was half empty, even more half empty at the final whistle. I thought that that was quite unfair. Um, yeah. In terms of, in in terms of this match. I think I might be accused of plagiarism here. I don't know if, if myself and Mark have been sharing notes uh, before the game, but I was looking at both teams to score and, and over 2.5 goals as well. I've added in a little, uh, just one more selection just to bring it over to, to 13 to 10, which is uh, um, Rana uh, Lodi to uh, commit one or more fouls. He, he committed five fouls against Chelsea last weekend. He's picked up seven yellow cards this season on loan from Atletico Madrid. Um, where obviously he's learned the dark arts of sort of tactical oh, fouls yes. from, from from working under Diego Simeone, and he'll be up against Saka or Trossard. Um, so if you add in the over two and a half goals, both teams to score and Lodi to commit one or more fouls, that brings it up to thirteen to ten um, on the bet on the bet builder. Um, but both teams to score as well. Yeah, I can only echo what Mark was saying. You know, both teams to score. It's clicked in ten of Forrest's last twelve league games and nine of Arsenal's last twelve league games. That's eighty-three percent of Forrest's last twelve. 75% of Arsenal's last 12 games as well. And the 1.75 you're getting implies around a 57% chance. Um, I know the lads have been saying over the last number of weeks that that's not how us and, and odds compilers come up with the odds, but it's it's a good indication. And I, I agree with Mark again. Like, I think either team are good to, to get a second goal as well. So just uh, odds against 13 to 10 for my bet builder for this one. Now, if you combined Carol Vorderman and Rachel Riley and gave that creature an innate disdain for Claudio Ranieri and then injected the footballing talent of Paolo Maldini, you get odds compiler and tipster Mark Stinchcom. Stinch, are Arsenal's bottlers worthy of disdain as they visit Forest, or do we look at them more sympathetically? Uh, yeah, I think more sympathetically. Thank you for that great introduction, by the way, Kevin. No I definitely problem. have to save that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think this uh, bottling is is a, a bit of a, um, a lazy tag that's been aimed at them. And it's just, I'd say, more of um, a, a, a misunderstanding of overperformance, essentially. If you look at the, the league table at the beginning of April after Arsenal had uh, beaten Leeds at the Emirates, Arsenal were eight points clear, having played a, a game more. But in terms of expected points... They were on 60, which is three points behind City. So City were completely almost on track of their performances. So Arsenal were overperforming by 12 points, which was the most in the division, which is a huge, huge overachievement. And essentially what we've seen with their results albeit results that have come when they've been in leading positions, but that's part of football. It's just a result of regression to the mean, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And if it wasn't a 38-game season, then yes, maybe uh, in in smaller leagues in, in on the continent and in Europe, they might have been able to, to pick up a winner's medal. But when you're up against a, a club with unlimited resources that have arguably one of the best managers in the world, then... 
you have to be almost perfect. And yeah, definitely 100% overachieve. Well, this is Liverpool from last season, right? Liverpool had to, they somehow made up, nearly made up a 14-point deficit at one stage. But that was a positively Herculean effort. I mean, that was one of the great Liverpool efforts last season uh, of any team. They still didn't do it. Yeah, and then we've seen how Liverpool have regressed this season as well to somewhere in the middle. And there doesn't seem to be any credit for Arsenal managing for months without Gabriel Jesus, who was, you know, yeah. talismanic centre forward. Um, you know, the fact they brought in uh, the likes of Trossard and Jorginho, which have also helped their title challenge as well, which in my mind was really, really good business rather than the 80, 90, 100 million for Caicedo. Don't get me wrong, Caicedo, a very good player, but obviously nowhere near worth that money. So, yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think they do deserve credit, essentially. Um, I am with the guys, though, this weekend. Um, I wouldn't want to be backing them uh, in an accumulator, especially coming up against uh, a Forest side that's still battling relegation, just three points clear. Uh, Brian mentioned about reading Mark's notes. Maybe we've all shared notes because uh, <laughs> I've got similar similar bets, but uh, we had a nice winner last weekend back in uh, Purvis. Estepinian to get carded against Bukayo Sako. So I'm going down a, a similar route this week against, uh, I don't know, what did we call Marcus Acuna? I was, um, was going to label uh, Lodi. We've called him lots of things, to be fair. I was gonna, I'm going to throw Lodi in, the, in a similar category, a bit of a madman. Uh, I think that's that South American uh, blood, right? Um, oh, Mark called him an absolute whopper. That's what it okay, was. Okay, okay, yes, that's what it was. I was trying I'll, to I'll, say, I'll say a bit of a lunatic then. Um, He's 11 to 10 to commit two or more fouls. I'm happy just to bet that and just, you know, enjoy him, um, yeah, being an idiot, basically. Um, being Saka, a Simeone alumnus, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned, mentioned Saka last week, um, fouled 1.7 times per game in the in the Premier League. And, uh, you know, Brian mentioned about Lodi committing five fouls last time out against uh, Chelsea. He commits over a foul a game on average. He's been booked in five of his last nine starts as well. And I, I think that's down to the desperation essentially where Forest where Forest find themselves in um, but a lot of credit to Forest to get to engineer themselves into this position yeah. to now have yeah. it in their own hands you know they had to they had to they've had some uh, difficult fixtures um, you know Brighton were like Brighton were like one to three I think at, at the City ground and, and uh, you know and City won uh, sorry Forest won three three one you know, been to Stamford Bridge, put up a really good fight away at Liverpool, albeit not didn't come away with uh, with any points. But uh, yeah, a lot of credit deserves to be given to Steve Cooper and the team. Um, and then there's another bet that I like the look of as well. Um, slight injury doubt, obviously wait for teams. Uh, but uh, in recent weeks, uh, Danilo, who they signed in the January window, he's been deployed. Love that in- kid. What a player he is. Great fun. Um I'm surprised that uh, he went to Forest, to be fair, uh, along with like a Scarpa from South America. Um, but I don't know, maybe other teams were were just hovering and didn't pull the trigger and Forrest got in there quickly. Um, but he's been deployed in a more offensive position in recent weeks. He played attacking midfield last time out against Chelsea. He was attacking midfield against Liverpool and City. So I think there's a tendency. I mean, we saw last week uh, Cooper dropped uh, Brennan Johnson to the bench, I think, to add a bit more solidity in the centre. And I think that's essentially why we've seen Danilo pushed on a little bit. And I, I would envisage something similar given the fact the way that they set up against other big teams. You can back Danilo to have two or more shots at 13 to 8. 
And uh, in his four home games where he's played uh, 85 minutes or more, he's had two, three, one and three shots. So clearly a, a guy that uh, likes to take a pot shot when he gets in the position. And as I say, being further forward, he's likely to receive the ball in those areas. So, yeah, I like the look of Lodi, two or more fouls uh, up against Saka, 11 to 10. And Danilo to have two or more shots at 13 to 8. Yeah, I like that very much. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the half-time break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important half-time break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus segambleaware.org. Org. Let's go to West London, capital city derby between Fulham and Crystal Palace. Stinch, this feels like it could be amazing fun. Well, I'm hoping to. I'm, I'm going back down the, the goals well again involving Fulham. Very disappointed last week. They uh, scored two at Southampton, but unfortunately Southampton didn't turn up. Uh, very, very meek way to uh, to confirm relegation. Um, but with both of these teams in sort of mid-table mediocrity, I'm hoping the increase that we tend to see in goals in May will come to the fore. So, but because over two and a half goals is the outsider here, it's nearly evens. That's, that's, that's the main driving factor for me. Um, enough reason to get involved I think talks about Fulham quite a lot in terms of um, their goal heavy matches Um, and as I mentioned after the World Cup they had a bit of a they went through a bit of a I don't know drab period in terms of goal heavy games but since then um, eight of the last 12 have been over two and a half goals you know this is their last home game of the season as well at Craven Cottage and I think you know I don't I wouldn't say party mood but I think they all realise that they have overachieved this season. You look at the expected points table, they are the team with, um, along with Arsenal that have most overachieved this season. And so, yeah, I think there's no reason why they wouldn't go out and, you know, play on the front foot and, you know, try and end the season in style at the college. 13 of their 18 home games this season have seen over two and a half goals. And obviously Palace, not the ideal uh, opponents for goal-heavy games generally. But since Hodgson's return, there's been 23 goals in his eight games um, love which is obviously, I love, love this new Hodgson with just Eze being absolutely amazing at the heart of it it's been great fun to watch yeah so I think there's a, enough reason I mean it would put put me off puts me off slightly but because of the price the fact that it's not the favourite I'm happy to I think there's enough there's enough reasons to, to get involved I mean I backed overs in the reverse fixture in uh, January at, uh, at Selhurst Park and Fulham won 3-0 um, so didn't even need Crystal Palace to contribute. Um, a bit disappointed Mitrovic was only on the bench last week. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, he might start this time out or at least be involved a little bit more than he was last week. But yeah, I, I just thought that uh, I thought over two and a half goals, maybe should be a bit more 50-50. So at, uh, at almost evens, was happy to, to back it again this week. Another derby, this time between North and West. Spurs taking on Brentford. Brian Tottenham need the win. But Brentford, no pushovers, and they could actually still catch Spurs. Yeah, I do. Tottenham need the win. I don't know. Like, I think I think Europa League has gone for them, and I think they might rather rather stay out of the Conference League next no, season. No, I, no, I, no. I don't. I don't know. It's a. It, you it's need, surely... if you can qualify. It's Tottenham. 
It's not Surely Real Madrid. The last time they qualified for Europe, get qualified for Europe. Don't be but... messing around thinking you're too good for the Europa League. No, the Europa Conference League. No, no, no. I think last last uh, they were in the Conference League before, weren't they? And they, and they were knocked out at the group stage. And they lose over in, in Slovenia or Slovakia. Slova- they had a game. They they had that game. Abandoned, postponed, yeah, which they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they had to sacrifice the points in that one. But I think they would have been out anyway. I think it's a distraction. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I know Jack, our producer, is a Tottenham fan. I don't, I don't know what, what, what he would think about this. But I surely but you can't have a situation where you've pushed for the Champions League almost all season and you don't qualify for Europe at all. What a bunch the, of losers? The, uh, you can't have that. Surely they can't. They're not really in a great position for that anyway. To sort of forfeit anyway because if Man United finish in the top four doesn't the qualification drop down to, to eighth so you've got to be really bad in your last couple of games and hope that Brentford are really good so that's what that's what I'm saying Brentford could get the, could get the result and, and, and catch them uh, and catch them here I just I think motivation could be a factor look maybe maybe I'm off but uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna be uh, back in Brentford to, to get a result here um Obviously, they're without Ivan Tony. Um, you know he'll he'll be out for a couple of months, and and obviously he's a huge loss. He's played almost every minute of every game for Brentford in the league this season. Um, Twenty league goals. Their next highest is uh, Brian and Buemo and and, and Wissa, who who just have seven and six goals. So they've been quite reliant on um, Tony this season. Although he's he's not played in three league games so far this season, and and they haven't really missed him. They've they've won two and drawn one without him. They beat Liverpool three one earlier in the season. They drew away to Forest two two, and they bet um, West Ham two nil last week as well. And that could have, in truth, been been four or five nil. So it's an extremely small sample size, but they have scored seven goals in in, in the games that they that they haven't had him. Um, they're finishing strongly as they do chase for that uh, Conference League place. Uh, three wins from their last four games, um, four points behind. Spurs now, who are in that Conference League place in seventh, which could go to to, to eighth. Um, and yeah, as I said, I just I just don't think motivation is is going to be great for Tottenham. If if it is, if they are pushing for a, a European place, they haven't really been shown it um, with just three wins in their last ten games. And, and that's and, just them being rubbish. I don't think that's them not wanting to qualify for Europe. That's that's just them being Tottenham. Yeah, one win in their last six. Like. They don't. They don't um, appear to have any sort of direction. They're all just playing as individuals. I think they're just sort of, you know, limping towards the end of the season. So, all that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Brentford to get a result here. Um, win or draw, I think double chance or, or plus half a goal on the exchange is odds against at two point one. So, um, I'll be back in that. I know our producer Jack would love us to do another half hour on just how bad Tottenham are, but we will move on. Uh, we'll go to the League Two playoffs, shall we? Stinch, what have you got for us? Yeah, we've also got Spurs to lose away at Leeds final day of the season at eleven to one. So that's a nice one to, to cheer on. Yeah, uh, financially, I've financially. forgotten about that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Stockport v uh, Salford in the the second leg. I'm I'm just really uh, surprised uh, the odds we can get on uh, under two and a half goals. Now, generally, you'd want to back overs in my mind uh, in, in second legs, but uh, with just a one nil deficit. And the profile of of certainly Stockport, who are the favourites here, um, I'm very happy to to back under two and a half goals at ten to eleven. Especially when you consider you look at the the other League Two uh, second leg between Bradford and Carlisle. Unders is four to seven, and it's exactly the same game state. So there's a there's a huge discrepancy there, and I'm I'm happier to accept that the four to seven is a bit closer to where the odds should be rather than the the ten to eleven. 
Um, you know, despite finishing fourth in the league, Stockport, the, the under two and a half Kings in League Two, 61% of their matches finish with less than three goals. And, and at home, that increases to 70%, with 16 of their, their 23 ending under 2.5. And it's mainly in thanks to they've got the, the second best defence in the league. And given that they're the ones expected to attack at some point, and Salford have, uh, have got the 1 0 advantage, I do think it will play out in a, in a cagey game. I mean, the first leg last week saw just 1.26 expected goals. And that's despite the fact that Salford took the lead after only 17 minutes. You know, as we know, when as soon as a goal goes in, that should be the invitation, if there is going to be, for the game to open yeah. up. So given that the fact that the tie hasn't opened up, I'm happy for it to sort of continue along the same, the same trends, really. I mean, there was just one big chance, which was the goal. And the second half saw less than 0.5 expected goals created. So, you know, both teams have played long seasons, 46 game seasons I think um, saw maybe something similar with Middlesbrough you know not to score in either of their their um, semi-final games against Coventry when you know I've got Middlesbrough down as one of the best teams in the division and maybe Coventry a little bit fortunate to be in the playoffs so I think you know I think tiredness does come into it as well and you look at the two previous meetings between the teams this season they finished 1-1 and 2-0 with low expected goals totals as well one thing I will say, and that's maybe this is maybe how the price is being driven. Um, Salford are the highest away scorers in the league, and they finished in style really to to cement their playoff position. Twenty two goals in their final eight away games, but that included a trip to Stockport as well, where they only mustered one goal, eight shots, and less than zero point five expected goals. And that was despite the fact they trailed after six minutes. So, given the fact they are they are leading one nil, I don't expect them to come out and attack. And the onus is all on Stockport, who have been very, I'd say, pragmatic this season in their approach. As I say they don't tend to have high scoring games. So. I think another cagey store, uh, sorry, cagey game in store. So, given the fact that under two and a half goals is the underdog, again, I'm I'm happy to back that. I mean, you could take it a little bit further if you wanted to play a bit safer and take sort of under two point seven five goals, or sort of like one point seven five or something like that. Um, but I I think I think extra time could be on the cards there if uh, if Stockport make the breakthrough as odds on faves. Well, now it's the moment you've all been waiting for. I would say it's the biggest boost to Scottish culture since the Crankies. It is Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch, everybody. Oh, aye. Escort watch. Yeah, uh, not many weeks left of the Scottish Premiership, just three rounds still to play. Very, very tight at the bottom of the table. So if you look at the league standings right now, Dundee United are bottom of the pile on 31 points. Rock bottom is automatically relegated. Uh, Ross County are two points better off with 33 points. They're in the relegation playoff place. Then Kilmarnock on 34 and St. Johnston on 36. So five points separating the bottom four. Kilmarnock are three points better off than rock bottom and they're hosting St. Johnston uh, on Saturday. So big, big game. Big six-pointer at the bottom end of the table. I'm going to back the home team here. Kilmarnock at 21-20 to to win the match on the sportsbook. I think that's a good enough price to get involved with because Killy play at Rugby Park, which is an artificial surface, and that's certainly been a factor in their favour for their strong home record this season. Uh, despite sitting just what, what three points off the bottom, 
Their home record reads eight wins, five draws, just the four defeats. They've won five of nine when hosting the bottom six, and they tend to target these matches as winnable opportunities against fellow sort of scrappers down the bottom. They saw off Livingston very comfortably here in the last home match, and they've only conceded 12 goals and 14 home fixtures when you exclude the old firms, which is uh, obviously very, very strong. As for St. Johnston, 12 defeats from 18 since Christmas, just three wins in that sequence as well. They've kept a league low, five clean sheets all season. They're averaging just 0.82 xG over the last 16 games when you exclude penalties. They've lost the non-penalty expected goals battle in 12 of 17 away games. They've lost the shot count in 13 of 17 away games, whereas Kilmarnock have actually won the non-penalty expected goals battle in 13 of 17 home fixtures. And they actually rank third in terms of XG ratio at home this season in the Scottish Premiership, only behind the old firm, which is quite something really for a team scrapping for relegation scrapping it to try and avoid relegation so yeah I think odds against is is very fair all things considered Uh, in terms of culture corner um, Kilmarnock Football Club is the oldest football club currently in operation in the Scottish Premiership and also the second oldest professional club in Scotland having been formed in 1869 just the one Scottish title to their name a couple of cups they've played in Europe nine times their best effort in 1967 in the Fairs Cup, knocked out by Leeds in the semis. They're actually one of only a few Scottish clubs to play in three European competitions, uh, the European Cup, Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Cup. Uh, they play at Rugby Park, of course, uh, and they started there back in 1877. Uh, now, the club's foundations date back to the very earliest days of organised football in Scotland. Basically, a group of local cricketers were looking for a, a bit of a sporting hobby to occupy them outside of the cricket season. It's always so the cricketers, right? It's yeah, always yeah. bored cricketers. Is yeah. it Me- isn't Milan a cricket club, I think, originally as well? I think it? so, yeah. Genoa yeah, yeah. the same, yeah. Um, so they formed a football club, uh, and during the very early days, uh, the game they played was probably a bit more similar to rugby than it was to football, and that's been reflected uh, by the name of the home ground, Rugby Park. Um, now, Rugby Park was used for a sort of a fictitious Scottish Cup semi-final in the film A Shot at Glory, uh, that famous film featuring former Kilmarnock striker and everyone's favourite pundit, Ali McCoist. Uh, as for Kilmarnock, uh, the whiskey brand, and Johnny Walker originated in the town in the 19th century and up until 2012 was still being bottled and packaged in the town. The first collection of work by Scottish poet Robert Rabbi Burns was published here in 1786. But in more recent times, this is the big one. Kilmarnock was voted the UK's friendliest shopping town in 2006, which is a, a massive accolade. So something to, to really shout about there for Killy. What does uh, that constitute? Friendly <laughs> shopping town? Yeah, you get stuff you know. for free? <laughs> I've yeah, no idea, but it did they cuddle shoplifters? I don't really know what that is. Okay. It's a long time ago now as well, so yeah, might, yeah. might not be. It's all gone wrong since then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, nothing really else. But but the band Biffy Clyro was formed in Kilmarnock back in 1995. So that's Kilmarnock for you, small town on the west end of Scotland. Many Could you name a Biffy my... Clyro song, Mark? Oh, God, I do. I, I've got a few, but can I well, name just them? Just giving him one. I've just mentioned one myself, but you didn't oh, hear didn't, me. I didn't hear it. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. I've got some on my uh, Spotify, so yeah. Oh. Many of Horror would be the one that would pop okay, into my yeah. mind, you see. Uh, by the way, Mark O'Hare, did you say last week you'd never seen Train Spotting? You referenced it, but did you say you'd never seen the film? No. Uh, See, that piqued the interest of our uh, sometime contributor, Jason Murphy, who suggested that we should do some uh, over-under eight-and-a-half films that you've seen in your <laughs> life. See, music I'm fine with, but, yeah, films just, no. He has disdain for the art of oh, film. I watched a film last week. 
There you go. <laughs> right. What was this film? What was it? You, you'll laugh. You'll really laugh. Uh, the new Scream film. <laughs> the new Scream film. What's that? Yeah. Scream 26 now. Uh, no is idea. It? It's right. horrendous. Was it good? Did you enjoy no. it? No. It was horrendous. Ter- terrible. This is Kim, your your other half's doing, is it? She wanted to uh, see Yeah, she wanted to watch a film. So we went on Sky and that popped up. I said, yeah, I'll fa- fancy that. She was all right. right. So. So yeah. you'd made her watch Annan against East Fife, and she thought she'd get revenge by making you watch Scream 37. Yeah. Right. So not good. You didn't enjoy it. Terrible film, yeah. Were you scared? No. Any stage? No. no. Okay. It's too okay. obvious. So three out of ten. <laughs> too obvious. Those horror films that are far too obvious. Right. Well, the film review is going to be, for next season, that's going to be one of our features. Marco Hare's film review. Uh, now, time for a feature that we love very much, of course. The world-famous podcast Treble. It's a betting feature so revered and inspiring. The reason Real Madrid were beaten so heavily by Manchester City in midweek was that they were distracted by which Swedish Alsvenskan matches to put in their weekend ackers. How this works, each of the three guys comes up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action. Lovely traders like Brian and others wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. Mark, the new Barry Norman, I will start <laughs> with you. Uh, both teams to score when Rio Vallecano take on Espanyol in Sunday's La Liga match, which uh, all the cool kids will hear on Sunday's yes. podcast. Yes, all you dweebs who are just going to watch the Saturday show and and skip over the Sunday show, you won't get to hear that. You have to go over to the Sunday show. Stinch, what have you got for us? Uh, both teams have score in Brighton v Southampton as it's chalked up at ten to eleven. Yeah, over wow. two and a, over two and a half goals is four to eleven. So apparently, it's only Brighton <laughs> contributing. <laughs> that is the market saying to you that Southampton are dreadful and they're probably not far off. Uh, Brian, take us home. Yeah, odds on pick as well. Both teams to score again um, and over 2.5 goals um, Sunday evening's game, Augsburg against Dortmund. Lovely stuff. More detail on that game as well in the Sunday show. Now, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. As we say, there is a Sunday show. have lots of games in that show, so lots of good tips for you. Now, we've been nominated for Best Podcast at the annual Smart Betting Club Awards. Our very own Mark O'Hare and Jake Olsgathorpe have been nominated in the Best Tipster category. I think Mark is up for Best Writer and Best Acrobat as well. So, right, dweebs assemble, cool kids assemble. You can all come together and vote. Make sure you vote. The link is in the description, but I'll also give you it here. It is smartbettingclub.com slash 2023 number awards. So smartbettingclub.com slash 2023 awards. It is about time that my greatness was recognised. <laughs> you can make that happen. Now, from Brian, from Mark, and from Stinch, and from me, I suppose, as well. This award-winning show in the future, because you're going to vote, and you're going to give us the awards. It's goodbye for now.